So next up, we have Catherine Bracey, who works with Code for America, um, an organization close to our hearts here. Um, and she has an interesting story about having start, started a startup within a startup. Um, Code for America is itself a young organization, and um, doing some new work made them rethink a lot of how they're behaving all around. Um, I think we have a lot to learn from her. Please welcome Catherine. Okay, yeah, I'm going to talk about um, a decision we made at Code for America to build an international program um, and the effect that that had on the organization. Um, actually, a decision I'm feeling a lot smarter about after hearing Kevin's talk, so I'm really excited about that. Um, first, you need to know what Code for America is. Uh, an alarming number of you think that we teach people how to code, which um, I am here, I, sh I guess I should make clear. What we actually do is help governments make better use of uh, technology and design in order that governments can be more effective and engaging. Um, and our main program is a fellowship program where we take uh, technology professionals, uh, we get them to take a year off from their lives in order to do public service. And they work in collaboration with city officials on specific problems like um, overcrowded jails or food justice. Um, and through that engagement with those city partners, we've gotten government officials to realize uh, the value of networked organizing and digital technology in not just finding efficiencies, but in um, doing service delivery better and in re-engaging citizens in the democratic process. And we were so successful at this, in fact, that we started getting a lot of requests from people in other countries for us to help them start Code 4 programs where they were. And we really were not in a position to say yes. We, we barely knew what worked in the states, and um, we didn't feel like we could go and tell people in a different political context how they should set up their programs. Uh, eventually, it got to the point where we were getting so many incoming requests that we just couldn't, we couldn't say no anymore. Um, and so, and we realized that these programs were going to start whether we were a part of it or not. And we knew that if, um, if everyone was doing this work in a disconnected way, all of our work would suffer for it, including Code for Americas. Um, and so that's how Code for All was born earlier this year, in February, in fact. Um, and Code for All is a network of individuals and organizations who are bringing open source technology and lean principles and agile development, user-centered design, to governments around the world in order to rebuild trust in government and, and re-energize democracy and, and hopefully get to better outcomes. And it's a program that's loosely modeled on Teach for America's international program, Teach for All. But Teach for America was around for about 16 years before they decided to start an international program. So they had a much clearer picture of how their partners should operate and the model that they should follow. And like I said, we were still really figuring out what worked in the States, so um, we didn't feel like we could go and just tell people how to do it. So we knew from the beginning that we had to be very experimental. And so the first thing we had to do was figure out where we were going to work. With these limited resources that we had, um, we had to sort through these dozens of incoming requests and decide what was the set of three, which is really all we had the resources to partner with, what were the set of three places that we wanted to work in order to learn as much as we could about how this model translates? And so we settled on three fabulous partners. Um, we have, the first one is in the Caribbean, which is a uh, federal model. They work at the federal level with um, starting with a pilot 
in the agriculture ministry in Jamaica with plans to extend to other countries in the region in future cycles. Um, and working in a place like Jamaica also gives us a chance to understand how this model works in the developing world, um, which is really important for us. The second is Mexico City, which is probably the opposite end of the uh, spectrum in terms of scale. We're only working with one city. But uh, at 25 million people, it's the biggest city in the Western Hemisphere. It's bigger than two-thirds of the countries on the planet. And so obviously a, a huge opportunity and a daunting challenge to figure out how civic innovation can work in a city of that size. And for us, it's really exciting because many of us believe that cities are the place where we're going to tackle many of our global challenges over the coming century. And so being able to see this stuff work in a city the size of Mexico City was really exciting for us. Um, and so we're partnering there with the new mayor's uh, city uh, lab for the city, which is a department of city government there. And then the third one is Germany, which is, uh, most resembles the U.S. model of having multiple cities in one country, having teams of fellows in multiple cities. So in many ways, it's the control group. Um, and so we launched in May with this group of fabulous partners and almost immediately uh, started learning things that would lead us towards a pivot. And the first thing we learned was that the fellowship program doesn't really scale that well. So we started with the fellowship at Code for America, and, and um, our partners knew us for the fellowship program, so we just assumed that that was the program we should start helping people learn how to do. Uh, it turns out that there are very few countries in the world that have all the elements you need to make a fellowship program successful. So you need um, philanthropic dollars, you need um, government funding, you need cities to actually be on board with the idea of technologists coming into City Hall and tinkering around with what they're doing. And you need a pool of talent that's open to doing public service. Um, and it turns out that um, those elements are hard to bring together in that many places. And we also learned from this that the context in which Code for America launched was the time and place was actually very unique and led um, a lot to maybe some of our early success. So it was early 2009, and we were in the midst of the Great Recession where cities, as you all know, were devastated, their budgets were ripped apart, and they were desperate for any new solution they could find to meet their growing demands for public service. It was also right after President Obama was elected for the first time, um, and there was this kind of rejuvenation of, of hope uh, on the part of people in the technology and design world for the promise that their skill set might bring to government. So that combination of hope on the part of the technologists and sense of impending doom on the part of cities was, um, turns out, a pretty unique set of circumstances in which to launch and is very hard to replicate. So that was the first thing we learned. The second was that we were probably going about the process of building this network the wrong way. We put in, we, as we were developing how to build out this, this network, we were putting most of our resources into the bottom of the funnel. And I'll be honest and say, I didn't spend that much time thinking about how we could really service the top of the funnel, how we could get people who were interested but not already in the network to be more engaged and support the work that they were doing. And the moment that this really occurred to me was uh, in about six weeks after we launched, uh, in the, at the end of June, our partners all came to San Francisco for, this is us, actually it was not that sunny out that day, it was actually really foggy, but, um, but we, had, we had fun. Uh, so, but they came for what we had called a training, but really ended up being more of a brain dump. 
And during those exchanges where, you know, we were, of course, imparting our wisdom and our lessons of how we had run our programs to them, we were also learning so much through the process of, of exchange about the decisions that we made. Um, we had to articulate what we had done in a way that we never had to do before. It cost us to question every decision we had made, every way we had structured all of our different programs, really do an assessment of why our programs worked the way we did and what, and what path we were really building for ourselves as an organization. And it occurred to, it occurred to me that the value of this should be made as public as possible so that anyone anywhere in the world could start a civic hacking project and be connected to a community of people who were doing similar work that could support them. So that was really the pivot. It was to decide that we were going to go as public as possible to create an open system out of a closed system and really to create a platform that would allow civic hacking to grow up anywhere in the world. And so while we still support our fellows, our partners that are running fellowship programs, we have put a lot more of our resources into Code for America's citizen volunteer program, which is called the Brigade, and it's really a grassroots, local, volunteer-driven um, network of chapters that works with local governments on civic hacking projects. And in September, we opened this network to international partners, as you can see here on the map. We have 31 active chapters in the US, um, which in 2014 will probably go, grow by a couple dozen. And then uh, chapters in Japan and Ireland and Poland that are running the brigade internationally, and we hope to add many more international chapters uh, in 2014 as well. So that's where we are right now. Uh, we, we are clearly very much at the beginning of building out this network, and we, we are looking forward to learning so much more about how this program works internationally. But for now, I have two takeaways. Uh, the first is that open is always better than closed. Our programs, both Code for All and Code for America, are going to be so much stronger because of the fact that we decided to go open instead of closed. And the second is that experimentation is almost always a good thing. There were uh, many skeptics about why, at, uh, and many of them sat inside the building at Code for America, why we would decide to extend ourselves in this way, to spread ourselves so thin when we were still building the foundation for our own organization. And the answer, it turns out, is that this is exactly the right time to be doing that kind of work, to question your assumptions, to really clean out your attic and put all of your stuff in order, while you still have time to incorporate those learnings into the way that you're building your program. So I'm going to end there, but I wouldn't be a good community organizer if I didn't have a hard ask for you guys. So I want to ask you to come join us in this work. As I said, there are 31 chapters of the brigade in the US with dozens more coming online in 2014. We're out in the US. If you want to get involved in an existing brigade or to start one where you live, if there isn't one where you live, you can go to brigade.codeforamerica.org. And all we need is your name, and where you live, and we can give you all the tools you need to start building better government. Thank you.